And like, um, the thing about, uh, God, mm, good and evil. Okay. Yeah. I've completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. Ah, that's a shame. Oh yes, I know. Yeah. It's a thing about egos within egos. <laughs> that, um, uh, okay. So let's take the example of, I lift my arm up. Fractal and... topics are my, one of my favorite <laughs> yes. genres of topic, by the way. So I'm very into that. <laughs> cool. Cause, um, <clears throat> exactly. I, I, if I lift my arm up, but let's say that there is a certain way in which I get presented this feeling. Yes. I experience yeah, this yeah, yeah. feeling that That's I took good. a decision or whatever. Right. Uh, that I, <laughs> I still, I still feel, and again, I'm, I think this is at this at this there's point actually, in the conversation. There's actually a name for this in mm. in philosophy of mind. Um, it's called the homunculus problem, um, oh. and it's it's eliminated by people like Daniel Dennett precisely on the grounds of its fractality. It creates ah. a, it creates an infinite loop, and that can't that can't happen. So it's not a good explanation of consciousness. But it seems to be that. Uh, that that just is what we're dealing with. I find the the homunculus, the <laughs> idea of a of a little guy inside of the head watching a screen, that that seems almost inevitable to me. That at some level something like that is actually happening. Um, yeah. Right. Know? That's it's very <laughs> interesting. Yeah. About Dennett. Yeah. 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 Dennett. Interesting case. Because 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 you're right. I mean. Uh, can we diagnose Daniel Dennett? <laughs> is that an appropriate topic for a, f- a future episode? Well, I would. I, I I don't know much about him. I've seen like one TED talk. I don't. I don't either, really. I um. um I don't really either. <laughs> but but um. He's just a caricature in my mind of uh, representing a, a particular approach to philosophy of mind. I think. Yeah. 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 Well, it, I I remember there was this um, YouTuber who was talking about him saying that uh well it was actually um matthew segal uh anyway just in case someone wants to look him up who was talking about how dennett and dawkins they both reach similar conclusions about um information or, or memes memes right 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 so it's almost like an extreme materialist worldview leads them to something supremely non-material. Yeah, that's right. One step <laughs> away from archetypes, actually. <laughs> that's a, that's a quite a good point that Jordan Peterson makes. I think so the, a mm. meme is, is really a a shallower idea of an archetype. <laughs> uh, interest, yeah. You know, it's, like- it's it's like a it's a more rapid cycle thought form. It it just you know it's. It lives and dies a lot faster, the meme. So it evolves a lot faster. But, mm. but then it's like maybe the ones that s- succeed in that fast evolution, those become more archetypal as they as the patterns cement as it goes forward. Maybe something like that. Although it's not... The other thing to say about all that, too, is that we have no idea what an archetype is or what any of that means. <laughs> this notion that they're, that they're involved in kind of um, cemented patterns through some kind of ancestral memory or something is it's just one particular idea about them good point that that, that i guess maybe maybe jung thinks 
sometimes, although he seems to have, hold different opinions about them, depending a little bit on who he's talking to. <laughs> um, Good point. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's also like a, a story about archetypes. Um, right, right. It, it's funny because, um, like, I think my desire for, like, alchemical symmetry is making me want to say something now, which is that there is also, <laughs> there is also this opposite path where, let's say, materialism seems to lead itself to this idea of memes or whatever, right? Right, right. And the, but uh, idealism or extreme, like, uh -huh. Uh -huh. views where you say that everything is a dream or that everything is spiritual. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, it seems to me that they lead, and I, I identify with this in a way, that they lead to a certain animism. Yes. Kind of like with object-oriented ontology or something, where specific um, beings, like my my computer keyboard and my cup and my microphone, have their own sort of... And they are... It's kind of like the homunculus thing, that suddenly things exist again, material things almost, the, ah, in the, right, in the right. sense that they, they have a solid constitution they, exactly yeah exactly they, they stop being yeah. so ethereal they persist yeah, yeah. through time <laughs> they're real and that means that there's some that they, see it's, it's, it's that part of our sense of reality mm. includes materiality it's more real if it's material so yeah. the more real that you grant to the symbol in a strange way the more material the symbol is becoming but mm -hmm. uh, but that's also there's another way to look at that though right which is that the symbol just does grow out of nature. So it is material. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah Although, yeah. right, hard to sort out whether or not that's an accurate view of what a symbol is or whether that's not um, a, itself a strange projection onto the symbol mm -hmm. and uh, to naturalize it in some way for some reason that remains dark to us, maybe. <laughs> don't know. Yeah, no, it's, I suppose, like, the, 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 the only thing that comes to mind right now is that this idea of the homunculus, um, if it has something to do with how we conceptualize choice, like I make a choice or something, some agent makes a choice or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, in my mind, I'm... <laughs> I'm tying it into these kind of new agey ideas of like, well, or, or occult ideas of the higher self or whatever, or sure, things like that. Yeah. that. Or like in, in Jung's, I really like, there's some kind of quote about Jung, how he starts to um, theorize about there being many egos in the psyche. It's just that only one of them is conscious. Or oh, like only one. Uh -huh, like, yeah. We identify with one of them, but that actually we are a big soup of people. <laughs> that, that makes sense to me. Yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and and maybe you people split. By the way, sorry. <laughs> oh no, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Split the M Night Shyamalan thing about split personalities. It's oh no, I haven't. No, it's almost like a hundred percent weird ego fears about about this. I think. Uh huh. Yeah, it's it's quite it's quite interesting. Um, but that's, I think, I think that's what, what bothers people about the split personality idea so much anyways, that the fact that that's 
possible ever implies some things about the way we're all put together, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. It, it kind of disturbs us. I think that's a pretty zone for people, you know, that, that, that when the machine breaks, you learn things about it. <laughs> and so people who are crazy, you know, are... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's quite a thing, that, I think. That, that, that's funny because um, I also, I, I was wondering about how, um, like, in, in this young idea of there being many egos uh one way to visualize it is that there are many egos sitting side by side and they exist at the same level of fractality let's say uh -huh, uh -huh. but it also could be that it goes both sideways and upwards kind of thing that there are many egos in the sense that maybe uh me and two other of my egos are encapsulated in a bigger ego and so on uh, uh like a sort of fr kind of three-dimensionally fractal <laughs> kind of. Well, that's interesting. Well, I'm, I was also just, I just had a vision of um, egos in little pods, but they're pods <laughs> organized in time. So oh. it's like past egos being stored so that you can revert to them maybe in a crisis. Mm. It's like backups, <laughs> you nice. know, desktop yeah. backups. Yeah. Well, and it, maybe, and it, yeah. maybe it extends into the future as well with imagined egos, um, mm. possible configurations that are pre-prepared by the unconscious in some way, perhaps, so that they can suddenly go live when time requires it. I don't know. <laughs> Speculating, you know, random uh, speculation here about the structure of the psyche in a big way. But <laughs> no, yeah, I mean. So. <clears throat> Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think the the weird thing is that this, of of course, brings us back to precog in a way that yes. <laughs> everything um, leads back to precog. <laughs> <laughs> because like another one of the kind of fucked up things about like sync and all this stuff is that exactly it does, at least to me, it leads me to take seriously uh, the imagination, as Terence McKenna said, or sort of that a story, let's say a story being told in a movie, um, is somehow very real, very personal, very collective, everything kind of at the same right. time. Um, and so that when you're remembering something, this is maybe off topic a little bit, but if you're remembering something, remembering your part, yourself 10 years ago doing yeah. something, you're seeing it in your mind's eye like a movie kind of thing. And you're seeing you are you, your current ego, is seeing a different person doing something. But at the same time, in the act of remembering, it's also like you're wearing these virtual reality goggles and you're identifying yeah. with that past ego. Yeah. Um, there is a really weird way in which an ego can both look at a past ego and identify with it. Um as it, and, and let's say in the case of precognition, you can seize a future ego of yourself as if it were a different person, but also identify with that. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a weird way in which, um, I mean, I, I, I think this, this is where the topic begins getting, and this is what arrival kind of sparked in me, that the topic begins to be so weird that um, <laughs> you have to simultaneously be even more cautious than usual yeah yeah but but at the same time 
there is like an Indiana Jones thing of like adventure. It feels like I've discovered a new, <laughs> yeah. a, a secret temple, a new totally. cave. Totally, that... I'm really feeling that as well. Actually, I'm wearing green today spontaneously. I, I feel that we're that we're fools again here because, right? Yeah, you know, I've spent the last several years looking at at this 9/11 sync stuff, and yeah. you know, in a way, that's been quite easy. <laughs> it's funny to say that now, but. Uh, but because you have the thing you're comparing against, you know, this mm. event happened, and then yeah. you're asking a question, are there precognitive echoes of this that I can find? And it looks like maybe the answer is, yeah, you can find, of course, we don't know what they are in the end, but, but yeah, you can find things that look like precognitive reflections of that event. Um, once you know what the event is... <laughs> Now what I'm playing out a little bit is trying to see if I can look at current films and on the basis of how they interlock at a raw kind of pattern analysis level, you know, mm. uh, try to make a prediction about something in the future. That's a very different scenario, I think. Um, yep. Yeah. It's, you know, it's a divinatory thing now. Um, yes. And, uh, yeah, I don't feel at all that I that I have any idea what that's about, actually, or what it means to to court that, even mm. to yep. to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to do this cosmic thing. I'm going to like, <laughs> I'm going to leech my sink uh, tentacles into all this current media and just feel for like, you know, correspondences, mm. and then on the basis of that, let some maybe let something happen. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because we don't actually know at all what any of this means in the end, but because autonomous entity encounter seems to be on the menu, <laughs> it strikes me that that's, you know, who knows what's going to, you know, yeah. something might possess you that who knows what it is. And it, <laughs> and maybe it's just going to play a joke, you know, and it's just nonsense or, or maybe it's something more sinister, you know? I don't know. I, not to, like, be, I, <laughs> not to go immediately to my, like, black, <laughs> black nail polish, like, version of Saint or whatever. But <laughs> I do think, I do, you know, that, that's the, what, part of the thing. What happens to the fool? He falls off a cliff, right? <laughs> Presumably it bangs you up a little bit. So there's, I don't know. There's, yep. some, there's that aspect to it. You're stumbling around blindly. You're going to bump into some things that might injure you i don't know there's definitely a, a danger to it but that's what makes it that's what makes it actually it's actually not a fantasy that's the funny thing it's a real adventure because <laughs> there are real stakes to it actually yeah 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 i mean i think that's one of my biggest questions with that i think is that if you let's say you i'm going to bring it down to like the level of personal psychoanalysis let's say yeah. but so because um maybe uh, a a person can have through this kind of art uh sync kind of uh research get the intuition this precognitive intuition that something's going to happen um now the the thing that seems to happen, I think, it's weird because, okay, I'm going to divide it 
into two types of precog at the moment. <laughs> which okay, is, I have uh, I have say, paper in front of me. But I'm actually <laughs> going to write write this out. All right. Right. Two types: type one no, and type two. Yeah. Well, because it's it's just that the classic division is that it's just that there are there seem to be let's say precognitive dreams that just happen. It right. seems as if you it doesn't you don't get the feeling that you could have avoided them almost, which is kind of an eerie feeling. Yeah, oh, yeah, like, yeah. like and sometimes well, are, very, those, are those the same or are those separate? I wonder. Like a spontaneous dream versus a faded one. <laughs> the kind, right. That that's almost those are almost opposites. Yet, mm. yet somehow these dreams seem to carry both feelings. Yeah. No. Well, that, that, that's, <laughs> it that's just the... happens, so there's a spontaneous aspect to it. But then when it happens, well, uh, it's that future orientation of it that makes it impossible to think about, I guess. Sorry, continue. No, <laughs> exactly. It's, I think it's the, the future orientation of dreams that simultaneously it gives it... Right, yeah. It, 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 it opens up the possibility, as like personal experience shows, for, let's say, paranormal stuff to happen. That is to say, actual precognitive dreams where right, you dream right. that like you're walking down the street and a piano falls from like uh, some guy is moving a piano and it falls or whatever. And then yeah. you, you find yourself in that situation, you get a deja vu and it happens. And you say, okay, that's what I dreamt about. Here it is. Here it's happened or whatever. But then at the same time, if dreams are future-oriented in the sense that they're like mapping out the direction in which, uh, let's say, at a more secular level, at a less paranormal level, the, yes, more accept yeah. the, more, the more accepted view of like your dream is kind of mapping out uh, where you're headed in the sense that if you're living very recklessly or whatever, maybe you're, you're having dreams that you're kind of... Um, dying from overdose or whatever <laughs> having those kinds of dreams <laughs> right, right. that um those dreams you know that they could be premonitory in the sense that that could happen but at the same time there is a feeling that you could change it ah that, that you that the dream is warning you like you're you're taking too many drugs or you're eating too, too so much. you find that you find that to be a persistent a persistent asso association the, the feeling of um the feeling of change, changeability. I only I only ask mm. because I don't have very much experience with precognitive dreams. You, mm. You're really some kind of a, a savant in that uh, <laughs> in that in that area. I think um, is that is that a thing that's well typical. That, that that's that. Well, I think that's just the, what what confuses me about it is that exactly this thing that um, keeping a dream journal or whatever. Uh, you, I get the feeling that it becomes very difficult to identify. Like, sometimes I, I want to think that precognitive dreams are like special mushrooms, sort of special kind of dreams that <laughs> yeah, emerge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes I get the feeling that dreaming is inherently precognitive. It's just that there are many things that we avoid <laughs> or that we, we prevent from happening or... or or that, or many things that are precognitive in such an abstract, symbolic way uh -huh, that you would right, that you wouldn't right. have even picked up. Um, and then there are those dreams that hit that sort of pitch of like 
human they they say it in a at a human level at a not not too abstract and not too simple kind of thing right right but i'm wondering again and, and <laughs> i'm wondering um, how much you know whether there are two types of precognitive dreams whether some you can prevent some you can't i don't know it's just the free will versus determinism thing yeah I mean, right 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 i don't know but but and my position in that is just an alchemical one on on the face of it i suppose it's a naive kind of position but just that i think it is both free will and determinism it's just <laughs> right that, yeah that's fine they're, they're, that's basically all i could say like yeah what else can you say about it <laughs> and and yet it's as if questions do remain about how do you relate because like what you were saying do we try to predict future things in order to change them or is the act of um, making art itself yeah is the is the act well, of predicting I'm, I'm reminded, something i'm reminded of that little ghostbusters uh thing that mm -hmm. if you see if you see something say something <laughs> it seems like what's the you know obviously yeah. a, a message is transmitted for some reason it's probably not just to just yeah. to be perceived yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and like, like like you've said sometimes as well that we do get the feeling that the anima or different kind of personified aspects of the psyche get angry. Yes, when you yeah, don't yeah. say it. <laughs> yeah, 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 they, yeah, exactly. Like, like <laughs> it's funny how changes register like that. Sometimes it's extremely impersonal, just like you're just receiving data. And sometimes you're being scolded. Yeah, what is going on? It's just... Yeah. Uh, well, I think, yeah, maybe it is an issue of kind of... Sometimes the unconscious doesn't have an active agenda. It's mm. not, you know? And in those instances, the dream world is just maybe a, a relatively random and sort of... <laughs> I mean, not random in terms of the of the material, but random in yeah. terms of where you end up in the psyche, if you know what I mean. Like, uh, yeah. it's just like, oh, shove the ego somewhere while we were busy. <laughs> the anima and the self and the shadow, they're all working on something and they don't have time to fuss over you, but, but you've entered the, their realm now. So they make something for you, they do the best they can, and then they go back to their real work, you know. And in that, in those kinds of dreams, it's like you're just getting a little window into the operation of the psyche mm -hmm. in some way, in a, in a kind of low-level way. Like, you're just, like, I don't know, like, observing <laughs> arbitrary dynamics of your unconscious, I guess, in some way. And then, and then at other points, like, they've prepared the project. Yeah. I have that sense, you know, big dreams. It's like, wow, that must have been in the works for a while. There, it's <laughs> like, you know, it's like a movie has been made for you. It's like, wow, yeah. this one's really good. It's it like, <laughs> it yeah. has such care. In the, I love the scenery. And I love, you know, like some of these the dreams can be so incredible. I don't yeah. think that they're just, um, you know, I think that they're made somehow so i think i think it's almost like these forces are preparing the dreams and and maybe that's wow. part of the distinction i don't know man i love that i love the idea of dreams being prepared <laughs> yeah, it just seems that way to me like the, there is almost like uh i'm relating it to 
libido or something now that ah. it's almost as if you know to to reach orgasm that there is a build-up kind right. of thing like it's almost as if there is maybe you have a dream uh on the i don't know the, the fourth of um december whatever and it's been cooking since the first of december yeah. it's almost like it's the libido has been sort of stimulated or sort of um something it's been taking shape uh but at the same time you are you 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 dreamt something on the first second and third of december right it's like there are different there are different like um well that's the other work, thing too is work it's, groups or something. yeah it seems like the unconscious has a real penchant for like spin-offs and like crossovers <laughs> and you know like sequels and you know it's everything is a series and everything relates to everything else and, and it's all like maximally like yeah up, seems like because <laughs> Jung Jung felt you know that you couldn't you, you couldn't really analyze a single dream in a certain way because the yep. meaning of that dream is embedded in a whole series of dreams and a whole period of your life where long form patterns are playing out and I, I guess maybe that's the other part of it too is that those dreams that are being prepared that take a long time to be prepared have had longer to crunch on subtle patterns in the environment mm. that that maybe allow the dream to extrapolate further into the future taking a purely local linear view of how this might be working yes yeah 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 they've, they've crunched more data more variables in yeah. the analysis of in the weather analysis of what's yes. going to happen. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a deep compute that one. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we're making a really deep guess for some reason. Either that's because we're trying to guess really far out into the future, or it's because the data is so thin and ambiguous, even for a prediction in the immediate future. But in either case, a whole lot of a whole lot of yeah, libido, <laughs> unconscious energy expenditure was had to have gone that, into it yeah that's funny because um i think you just hit on something i really like about series uh, like tv shows and uh, like the, yeah. the unconscious is to that because i get the feeling that the way that tv shows have become bigger than movies in recent years yeah um it's almost as if it's people are now <laughs> being forced by the unconscious to see connections between different pieces of media. I, I know, it's so hysterical. <laughs> In so the sense hysterical. that like sort of people don't <laughs> people don't generally watch a movie and then they watch another unrelated movie and think that that second unrelated movie is uh, episode 2 of a series. But a sinkhead does that in a right, sense. Like right. I I watched Ghostbusters and then I watched Arrival and they feel connected. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's almost yeah. like TV shows are a way of like forcing that on people in a sense because you you have to watch different hour long pieces of media, so they're almost as long as a movie. Yeah. And the first episode is connected to the second one. Like you you have to Gosh, continually yeah. tie. <laughs> it's almost it's almost as if <laughs> it's almost as if people just have a deep need <laughs> to relate to story in that way. You know? Yeah. Uh, and we're not getting it from a Bible now. Exactly. So there is a big void. <laughs> and yeah. pop culture is just kind of rushed in to fill it 
because it's just it's just like a market dynamic thing almost. People respond to it. They want yes. more of it. So we'll make more of it. And so what's happening is this massive modern mythology is being assembled in the process of being built right now. I find that so weird to think about. I wonder if, if there isn't much longer ranging consequences to this American Hollywood superhero movie project than we think. Are, mm. are we really watching the emergence of new God images that are going to uh. stick for a while? You know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> or are we entering a kind of McKenna-like novelty explosion where precisely the point is it's all the ghosts exploding out of the containment grid. It's going to be a, an infinite proliferation of God images that you can't even, you know, yeah. couldn't even imagine from the current situation. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Woof, or none of those, I mean... because the whole concept of a God image is some weird nonsense that this Swiss guy made up. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I, yeah, no, I love that. And I, I do think that, um, I mean, you, you could already see it and like people in the kitchen sink sort of constantly noting this, that there are, let's say, secular examples of sink appreciation of people on Twitter, for example, saying, hey, did you notice that the actor who plays this guy in Star, in Star Wars also did this? And right. it's yeah, like yeah. almost like people are starting to get into that kind of thing. Totally. It really but, seems like all these, these like, and they can't or, avoid it. Features of sync are just growing in the culture generally. Mm. Yeah, it, it does seem that way. Because it's like after a sufficiently high dose of media, and maybe, you know, because <laughs> maybe it's. I love it's, that sentence. A sufficiently high <laughs> dose of media. Like, like maybe it seems to us like a long time has gone by like that we've been watching movies for a long time but we right we haven't, haven't really no <laughs> it's so new god it's terrifying i mean just the idea of a display in this <laughs> this supercharged kind of a display i mean obviously displays go back shadow puppets on cave walls yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah, the yeah, face yeah. is a display and who knows you can trace back a long way but um but this thing this is a different thing now <laughs> yeah. yeah it's very very new I think yes. that's what 2001 is, is about, probably in large measure. Just the, the evolutionary impact of the display. Something happened when we made cinema, moving, moving picture displays. Something new has opened up there, I think. Yeah, I mean, it does seem maybe, and I, I'm kind of hitting on the same metaphor again, but like a, like a dosage thing, like McKenna says, like the, the, there is sort of like a, yeah. you can take... You can yeah. take DMT, you can smoke one kind of hit of DMT and not reach that kind of weird place that he says. Right. But, but then... Dosage is such an amusing concept. I'm just imagining like a future where there's a clinic and you're trying to figure out the patients like <laughs> how much, how many grams of sink. <laughs> how many movies did you watch? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And at but, what um, speed? I feel that the slower the motion, the higher the dose when it comes to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's funny because um, just I want to return a second to something you said before about um, the ego gets kind of taken through the dream, and uh, sometimes sometimes it enters a certain realm, and sometimes it doesn't. Uh -huh. Like that, 
I really like this idea of uh, a space, a three-dimensional, not three-dimensional, but like the idea of moving through space yeah. in, in the dream world. That, but in a way maybe that is obviously different from physical space, but still that has sure. some spatiality to it in that like, like Darren Trigana says uh, in, for, for the DMT thing, that you do get the feeling and like with mushrooms, I, I got the same feeling as well that, that you enter into different rooms, into different yes. kinds of places. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you can return to those same rooms. Yes. So it's almost as like there is like a location in space, but the location of space is, is connected to like your emotions and how oh. you're feeling. It's like almost like going into a specific vibe, a specific feeling takes you like, I don't know, there's um, something interesting about how, uh, well, the, the DMT elves in McKenna's myth are the ones who create the bejeweled kind of, Right, place, which I would love be that. The, yeah, yeah, the dreams or whatever, and in in the sense of like, I'm really stringing a lot of stuff here, but uh, Arrival, for example, or Ghostbusters, all this thing about um, the entities from the other side kind of getting in touch to to give something. I, I have this feeling that yeah, you have to sort of go to a specific place to do that. Yes, I'm not. I'm yeah, not sure yeah, where yeah. I want to. I don't know where I want to get. Well, with, it's very interesting thinking about. I'm just going to drop in something I don't really fully understand, but I understand mm -hmm. a bit of just some, a cybernetics thing, mm -hmm. which is um, the way that you describe the the possibilities inherent in a system is as a space. It's, it's called the phase space, and you can visualize it in a little three-dimensional graph, or, you know, n-dimensional graph, whatever you're working in. But, oh, um, yeah. And it's just, you know, I, I think that uh, it seems like spatial metaphor is just so deeply fundamental to our entire cognitive style as human mm -hmm. beings. Like, you just can't ever really escape from it. Um, and obviously everything that happens in dreams happens spatially. It's it's a spatial visual thing that there isn't in terms of the, in terms of the content that's, um, that's coming through. It's, uh, well, it's the same as waking experience, <laughs> which is, the, you know, which is the same way. So it yes, just seems yeah. like, like a bit, like a very basic inescapable. Um, now I should say too, with that, that statements like that, you know, um, are kind of like, somewhat tricky to make right because it could yep. be that i just haven't experienced some state of consciousness that would that would show me that it is possible to think outside of spatial metaphors yes exactly yeah no you're right which you know we we're we're both i think like fairly uh um seasoned sort of phenomenologists or something at this mm. point so it's it, it's just it's yeah it's mm. You can't take for granted at a certain point uh, this stuff anymore because it's like we've just had the experience so many times, I think, of not not being aware of some aspect of our subjectivity that then at some point flat, you know, crashed into awareness. So there's yeah. always that possibility still. <laughs> yeah. I don't, you, you, and, you know, you never get to escape from that, unfortunately. I think that's just like a fundamental, like, infinite uncertainty in the... 
the human condition. Yeah, it, it sort of it's funny because precisely I think like two nights ago or something I had a dream that reminded me of Philip K. Dick a bit. Uh, a dream where um, there was no <laughs> speciality actually. Oh wow, well, you did it! <laughs> like. <laughs> And I mean, of course, again, with dreams, it's it's tricky because it's just hard to know whether you're just not remembering the whole picture or whatever. But um, was it not 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 visual at all? Well, well, just this feeling of like information being conveyed, oh, like interesting. Uh -huh. Just it's hard to say. Just but and of course, as I say, a very <laughs> light. A very likely explanation is simply that I don't remember the visuals, you know, that I just remember the information or whatever. Uh, but I do right, remember everything, yeah. But, but I did, I did have a like Philip K. Dick talks about this as well of, in in his exegesis of dreams, where it feels as if he's just sort of he's just like feeling or thinking stuff in a, in a non. That's so interesting. It's I, very I, I know. I think I know what you guys mean, maybe. But mm. for mm. me, they're always still spatial and visual. But that's, I think that's because of a problem in my brain, actually. <laughs> uh, what I mean is, um, uh, I have dreams where I'm solving some kind of problem very abstractly, and there's no, it's not an action, I'm not in an environment, and there's not anything like that. But I'm seeing two-dimensional symbols and geometric things happening while that's oh, happening. Yes. Um, and so it's all visually, spatially tethered still in some way for me. But I'm synesthetic. I see sound as shapes and colors and things. And all my thinking is very visual. So I think that that might be actually like a weird short circuit I have going on. Well, actually, it's funny. Now, now that you mentioned that, um, I am starting to <laughs> remember actually that, <laughs> that, 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 yeah, you're right. That it, I think I was also just seeing like, like the the information sort of like written on yeah, a two on a two dimensional two, kind of space. It's extremely two D. I find those kinds of dreams very strange. There, there's something <laughs> quite claustrophobic about them. I, I yeah. feel a little suffocated by them typically when they're happening. It's as if I'm barely aware of a process that wasn't really designed to be in my awareness. It's not a dream, actually. It's some weird low-level problem-solving behavior that the unconscious is doing, and I'm just peering into it accidentally. And it, yeah, I don't really like it very much. Mm. I, I, it's funny. I really like though what you said before about um, uh, systems theory. Oh uh, 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 yeah, phase spaces. Yeah, that because really, when you think about like the homunculus thing. That yeah. that we or this sort of animism thing, or that that you get this feeling that there are objects, there are sort of there is me, and there is and in a sense objects. Maybe I'm I'm jumping to a conclusion, but they kind of imply space in a way. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Because you are like the homunculus is somewhere, or at least is limited by something that isn't itself kind of thing like right. uh, oxygen or whatever <laughs> like, <laughs> um, uh, sort of space um maybe not maybe not like but but i feel like exactly that that maybe at realms that we usually don't think are spatial like the the dream space or stuff like that it's easy to see it as a two-dimensional 
screen where yeah, three-dimensional yeah. images are being projected kind of thing. But maybe the three-dimensionality of dreams maybe has more reality to it than it seems. But right, that, right. I, I, I don't know, it's something strange about that. <laughs> do, you, do you have recurrent locations and things in your dreams? Um, well, do you, do you have the sense of visiting the same, say, houses or, or dream cities or <laughs> weird things like that? Or are they more kind of just randomly? Set? No, it, it, it's funny because, um, like, for me, dreams were what got me into sync or what got me into a sync mindset. Right, right. Precisely because there there are there were and continue to be recurring locations it's just that in each dream or in each scene of the dream they are presented in a different way in the same way that for example in suicide squad and ghostbusters there is the idea of a machine that opens up a portal right but it's a different machine in every movie but it's still the same machine kind of thing right at, at an archetypal level or whatever. Like, I remember having a lot of dreams where I was in uh, a hospital. And it was always a completely different hospital. But it was always at the hospital. Kind of right, thing. right. Like the, the Jungian kind of analysis thing. Um, that it, it, it forces you to, to notice. The, the patterns force you to see an abstraction of those specific instances or something so that there is a recurring location it's just that it changes shape it shape shifts or something uh -huh, exactly <laughs> hard, yeah say. yeah i don't know that's very interesting that reminds sorry this is a little bit of a of a tangent i, I guess but um it reminds me of um a conversation i was having with somebody on the young subreddit <laughs> about mm -hmm. um you know there's this whole weird thing about uh, about what Jung thought about yoga and Eastern philosophy, I guess, generally speaking, as it applied to the West. Because Jung was really of the opinion that Westerners probably shouldn't practice yoga, right? He makes remarks directly to that effect in some places. And uh, it seems somehow related because it's like, it's funny to me that Jung would say that, you know, because it seems to me that archetypal theory really undercuts that attitude. Because isn't it precisely the idea that these symbols are all kind of interchangeable to some degree? They're, um, you know, like take the yeah. yin-yang and the Ouroboros, for instance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, they're quite different. We could talk, discuss the ways in which they're different. They, they emphasize different aspects of this psychological transformation thing or opposite relation thing mm. um but they're but they're clearly getting at the same idea and it's hardly as if you can't figure it out intuitively either because they're all imagistically correspondent with the ideas they're representing that's the thing about the symbols right yeah they, you can just think about them as pictures and they kind of disclose their meaning in an, in an intuitive way so mm. What precisely should be the problem in learning a foreign symbol system? Particularly because the situation in the West is like all symbol systems are equally foreign or non-foreign in a way because yeah. we don't take symbol at all seriously. So we're going to be learning a symbol system in either case. 
and we're raised in a syncretic situation now as well. Like, the symbols we have access to are already from all over the place. It's just the things we find in pop culture. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I find it weird when people kind of repeat that idea as if, as if Jung would still say that in the present situation. I'm not sure that it ever made sense exactly to say that, but mm. uh, it certainly doesn't now. Like, the whole... Yeah. The, the Western identity is already quite syncretic in a way. It just, it just doesn't acknowledge it exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. That That is funny. That is a funny thing about... Um, does that or does that your, not relate to what you were talking about? <laughs> Somehow I thought that related. I'm not sure that... No, t totally. No, because, I mean, this idea, I, I think that this is something that completely confuses me all the time, The how um, you can grab a whole lot of symbols from different mythologies. Yeah. Like Ishtar, Venus, uh, whatever. Right. A, a lot of, like, goddess... Uh, um, myth stuff, and you can you can see the similarities and, and re reduce it all to like a, I mean reduce it sounds bad but 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 yeah sure, that, sure, that, sure. That, yeah. that you can ah uh, and there is a and at the same time in a like an animistic kind of way or whatever that, that each thing. Mm, has its own kind of reality because if you would uh if you were to completely like that that's one thing that i find difficult in in sync videos when i'm working on one or making one is that i can i can say you know okay so this symbol is connected to this other symbol so they are essentially the same thing so i can say like the phoenix right, right. The phoenix and the peacock are basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Or like a light bulb and a candle are basically the same thing. Yeah, and, yeah. And I can reach this point, which is a slightly like psychotic point, where I can even say that the light bulb, the candle, the phoenix and the peacock are all the same thing. Sure, because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the, the phoenix is fire and the light bulb is fire as well. And yeah, then yeah. I can end up sort of reducing it all to itself completely to a point where I'm not even sure what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> you, know, you know what I think? I actually think that's a result of the of the image itself somehow. Mm. It's just mm. the, the quality of pictures. Like mm. as a you know, when you draw, you draw mm. in big shapes and small shapes, and you're adding up layers of detail in a way. Mm. And so the thing about a symbol is because it's a picture in in some way, um, you can pay attention just to its shape, <laughs> or you yeah. can pay attention to its shape and its internal details mm -hmm. and it's a question of the application i think largely if you're if you're in a hermeneutic situation that requires matching shapes at a gestalt level <laughs> then there's no reason not to do that you know that's great uh if on the other hand you're trying to kind of focus on a level where somehow some precision is required well then of course you have to pay attention to the details more um yeah I think it really is a matter of kind of carving out uh, carving out slices of the transcendental <laughs> object, you know, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. There is something about the, 
it's as if like the potential pathways between symbols could be maybe almost infinite that you could you could sort of potentially right. connect connect um peacock to elephant if you well, want isn't, under, it, isn't under it funny that jung uses the circle as or that the circle is a symbol of the self you know because ah. it's also the most general way to just represent an object like some content it's yeah. just you know a round marker yeah yeah sort of <laughs> and, it, and it mathematically yeah. kind of contains infinity of it because of the curve you know mm-hmm. and it, it's just yeah it's a very it's a very good symbol the circle <laughs> i think it does represent that point right where all the symbols converge into one big thing of course that's a, a circle yeah and like I, I i completely agree that i think it is um the way that relates to like uh, statements like uh, about yoga and stuff like that um yeah no that that is uh, it is strange i i i, I don't, didn't know this quote uh, from jung but yeah it, it is strange how you could um i mean like, he was also talking about a different kind of yoga i think you know he was talking yeah. about yoga as a complete spiritual package mm-hmm. you know in, i think really yeah. he, he means like hinduism or something <laughs> right. i'm not sure exactly but uh yeah because um but but because you do get uh, this feeling for example uh, with um jordan peterson maybe that that he he is focusing a lot on the bible yeah uh, because it is at the roots of like his family or how he grew up um right yeah but well, that he, he imagines that it's at the roots of western consciousness exactly exactly that's the problem i think and, yeah, and yeah. Jung, Jung imagines the same thing i think it was yeah. probably truer when Jung imagined it Peterson seems to me quite badly out of step. I don't know how much I think the Bible is really. I mean, I mean, I know that it. I understand the argument, right? That that mm-hmm. Christianity created this culture in some way, and that those attitudes are still embedded in various ways. And I, I agree with all that. Like, I think it's all true. But um, I also think that that the that that's just a tiny piece of a bigger picture of what western consciousnesses today you know yeah i don't even know that i think it's a primary piece it seems yeah. more like lingering remnants of things that people are very desperately trying to get away from in fact yeah uh, yeah. yeah exactly i i get the feeling that like let's say that he grew up in a christian household i don't know um, right, like right. i i feel that he's he's jumping to a big conclusion from saying you know this is where like my this is what my family were talking about at dinner right he's jump he's jumping from that to saying this is what our whole culture is <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know uh, but aren't we and, all just doing that basically in one way yeah. or another <laughs> yeah 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 i mean because c- that's the the it, that's the, the tricky thing i think about sync and symbol and all that that because it leads to this like self thing the the circle yeah um you 
it's like you inevitably put something in the place of the circle or something, or you, you say like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I think. There, there is like, even though it's a transcendent place that is, that shouldn't be a specific thing. Yeah. You have to represent it somehow. You represent it somehow. And, um, and no, it is, and there is maybe also an element of, uh, like when someone says, focus on red cars and you walk out in the street and you only see red cars or something because you're just right, focusing right. on them yeah. or that, that, that maybe that's one of the tricky things about this research in general that I, I can definitely see that, you know, that, that Peterson is like seeing connections and patterns in the way that we all are or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, it, it it reminds me, let's say, it reminds me of the the this sort of danger or possibility of that maybe you, you you end up confirming your own kind of you're seeing what you're looking for kind of thing. Like yeah, yeah. He he's not focusing on the ways in which our culture is not about Christianity. That's or, right. Well, and yeah, and so he'll continue to do that until he recognizes that as a problem. Yeah. His yeah. approach, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, which he w probably won't now. See, this is the danger, I think, of becoming some an accidental cult center of a cult of personality. You know, yeah. I, I don't think he <laughs> at all wanted that consciously, no. anyway. Yeah. Um, but somehow that has happened, or is in the process of happening. And yeah, it just yeah. you know, it's 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 extraordinary. Think about how hard it is for us not mm. to completely drink our own Kool-Aid all the time as complete nobodies that society largely shuns, <laughs> yeah, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Imagine yeah. that, like, we have a, you know, it's, it's not like there aren't people shunning Peterson, but he also has this army of people that are treating him as the father savior, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just oh. think there's just no way that's not going to go to your head. It's gonna, no matter who you are. Yeah, I mean, if you have a model for explaining stuff and you see that loads of people agree with you, you're probably going to stop questioning that model that much because you think, well, I mean, it, it and exactly, I'm, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be like, it's very difficult. I'm trying to be as sort of, I don't know, as fair as possible in the sense that, yeah, yeah. like that, that it is our own shadow as well. It's not it's not so easy yes. as just like pointing the finger at Peterson. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> I have a really bad habit with that. <laughs> but, but criticizing him for this or that thing. <laughs> but no, and no, and exactly, and 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 um, and that that, and at the same time, I do feel a desire to criticize stuff that he says, stuff that he does, because it seems as if it's a good example of um. In the same way that I'm criticizing McKenna, for example, in a different way, but just that that it's it's a good case study of like that that sync carries with it sort of dangerous kind of areas um, yeah. where where because it's so boundary dissolving, ironically, because it's so boundary dissolving, you can end up putting something in the center of this big fluid mandala yes and, and really you make sure you put the right thing in there <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah really sort of anchoring it there in a, um, well that's it well that, that gets into and i don't know analysis of, of fascism a little bit too right it's like yeah. 
the, yeah. an ideology gets placed in the center of the mandala. Yes. Or, or the nation gets placed in that particular instance, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There, there is something about sync that leads to abstract absolute things. And yeah. abstract absolute things, it's very easy to jump. And uh, and sync also, because it, it sometimes carries, like we were saying, sometimes it has an Abraxas side to it of there is no good no evil or, right. or whatever but sometimes sync does carry this sort of like in the Jungian model this idea of health of like yes yeah absolutely it does yeah of, yeah of you you have to do this and you don't have to do that or whatever like um go in this direction go don't go in that direction and yes of course, it does seem that overall it has it has a healing orientation i would say and if you abstract that to the point where you say well I everyone <laughs> needs to do this or whatever. Like mm -hmm. everyone needs to express their sexuality in this way. Everyone needs to Right, uh, right. Well yeah, because, that's it. Isn't sync partly about sinking into your own signal? It's right. It's precisely you're discovering what you need that you don't even know you need. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna yeah. be, you know, part and it's it's just very confusing, I think, because part of what you need are common needs <laughs> that all people need, right? And so that yeah. is a part of it. You're, you're going to become aware of things that actually all people... Um, uh, I yes. want to get away I want to get away from the language of need here a little bit, but yeah, yeah, you see what I mean. Um, no, totally. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, kind of, it's kind of what we were saying at the beginning, that, that there is a desire, and that's why it's so... This area is so dangerous, and says because... There is a desire, like with the, the whole Jungian project in a sense, of trying to <sighs> trying to build maps that will help not only yourself but other people. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's very difficult to balance this desire yeah. to help others with right. like an imposition of imposing a thing or not. Like it's a very kind of weird. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm detecting a general problem here that spans across a lot of domains i think it's like it's the it's a problem of um how to know when you are uh, when your precision is too high or something it's it's like uh -huh. i'm quite certain that a whole bunch of stuff that i uh, this is so complicated the first thing i have to say about it is a whole bunch of stuff that i take to be meaningful in sync I really have the feeling is properly accidental in some way. Like, yeah, it's just, it's just a matter of like, <laughs> there's a little visual metaphor I use in one of my videos on archive.org. It's like the A's, you know, walking in the, in the forest and you come across branches kind of falling across the ground. And like, if they, if they're arranged in a way that looks there are many ways they could be arranged, but if there are many branches that are arranged that in a way that looks like an A repetitively, right? The, the more you see that, the more, the more you ID that pattern. But then it also becomes like I think the more likely your your natural bias, which is which is actually there to help you kind of um, detect local patterns or something. <laughs> um, yeah. Your bias is kicking in to say, okay, wow, I'm seeing a whole lot of A's around here. So, um, 
you know, I'm really going to prime myself for that. And then, then you start to include things in that group that don't actually have a right to be there. They're not really A's. They're kind of close to it. But you have a hundred perfect ones. So it's weird. In a way, it doesn't affect the read in the end so much. As long as your read sticks to just the gestalt of it, there's just a lot of A's. Who cares if this particular one is or isn't, right? Yeah. So, so there's like a strange, um, unacknowledged issue, though, of where that threshold is set, I think. Like, yeah. where exactly do we draw those lines and according to what? It seems like it comes down to an intuitive thing, mostly, for me anyway. Mm. You're just trying to kind of um, make an interpretation that helps clarify. <laughs> and so when you take an action in your, in your attempt to understand something that clarifies rather than confuses, you think, well, maybe that was a good one, I'll keep that around. And you just keep doing that until, you know, it's exactly like untangling cords, getting back to what we were saying the other day. Yeah. Like, yeah. you don't do that consciously, really. You just mm. do this heuristic, actually. It's a, it's a series of, of behaviors that, over time, get you where you want to go, <laughs> in a kind of stochastic way, maybe. I don't yeah. know, this is all getting really abstract now. I've, mm. I've actually lost track of exactly where I'm at <laughs> set of ideas but yeah no, I, I love the thing about the A's or, or like exactly finding um, specific uh, patterns in, in, in movies or whatever that right oh yeah that's right yeah yeah you can I think there is I really like that about if you include all of the loose things yeah. if, you allow, if you allow yourself to take in all of the A's that don't look exactly like an A. Yeah. But by by doing that, you do open yourself up to Im amazing, uncanny A's. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there is, like, I remember... Well, I, and you also open yourself up to being kind of led off the main path yeah. by things that look kind of like A's, but then when you look closer, you, oh, maybe they're B's. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, <laughs> there's a lot of B's here as well <laughs> that I didn't see before, kind of thing, you know? So they're avenues to for you know yeah it's just yeah right, ready for anything really with this stuff i think of course it, it can open the path to something that isn't even an a but yeah, it actually yeah, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. exists <laughs> right right if you're too narrowly focused on just IDing this one pattern you're not you're not um you're, it's not a receptive form of awareness really it's funny it reminds me like there's this book uh, by Colin Wilson called The Occult is just like a big kind of introduction to the occult throughout history. And I think he's quoting, I don't know if it's Uspensky or some someone like that, saying that they initially got into the occult precisely because it was um, something unaccepted by culture and kind of slightly obscene. And, right, right. Uh, and that through getting into all of the sort of pulp literature about it, like, I don't know, uh, UFOs over Atlantis or whatever, those kind of sort of pulp yeah, kind yeah. of occult stuff, that through going into all that stuff, which um, may not or may or may not have anything sort of very uncanny about it, you end up going into some places that maybe are more 
real. It's as if the the something McKenna says as well, where like he's looking at the clouds and he's stoned and he sees a, a UFO in the cloud, <laughs> and right. it's like that is the loosest way to see a UFO in the eyes of culture because you're there is the possibility for you to be imagining everything. Right, but right. It's as if by opening himself to that, he accesses something in the imagination, something in the projective faculty yeah. that actually catches on to stuff that is uncannily Totally. Different. And that's the thing that's the thing about the about the UFO and the alien abduction stuff that 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 was I think the properly subversive thing about it that culture had to erase right away in, in any yeah. way possible was precisely the part of it where, yeah, where the, where the, where the, the literalness versus the imaginativeness were, were, were blurred in those, a lot of those experiences. Because if you look at the, a lot of the literature, like especially the John Mack stuff, like his, his cases, you know, they're so, some of them are so psychological. Like there's just clearly, it's a, they're not happening in normal states of consciousness, you know, whatever these experiences are. Weird things are happening, and archetypal things are happening. It's It can be kind of aliens one second, and then it's elves, you know? It's a very destabilized, psychedelic space in many of those these alien encounters. Yeah, And it's interesting how quickly um, people, too, try to kind of literalize that as well. It's like, that's the alien sending you hallucinations while you're on the... <laughs> while you're on the literal metal box in the sky, because that's what's going on, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird. I think that... Um, on the other hand, though, you can't just local... You can't localize some pure... That would be fine, actually, if we could just say, oh, it's a weird kind of nightmare that people are having. Well, it's not just that, though, because these abduction experiences especially are deeply transformative for the people that have them. And uh, and there's often very weird, concrete evidence of strange stuff. That's, you know, people actually go missing, for instance, for <laughs> several days or something, you know? Yeah, Things yeah. Things can happen. Uh, maybe they're wandering around in the woods out of their mind. Maybe, you know, but but there's, just, there's a strange physicalness to some of this stuff. Or like the... Um, I don't know if you know that this case, like the, the Zimbabwe school children or whatever, who... No. Yeah, it was. I think it happened maybe in the 90s. It was a John Mack thing, actually. There's a documentary being made about it now, I believe. Um, but um, all these school kids saw this craft land in, in, like, the playground of their school, basically, and a figure emerged from it and interacted with them. It was like, it's like, I don't remember how many kids, but it was like a substantial, like more than a couple. It was like a 30 or 40 kids, I think, all saw this thing. Some of the teachers saw it, I think. It was really, you know, if, if it was a psychical thing, it was some kind of mass, mass hallucination sort of scenario, which is interesting all on its own, obviously. But, mm. um, but so, yeah, it can't be both. It can't be allowed to be both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If no, I know. It's, if it's literally aliens, somehow that's fine. It's weird that culture is comfortable with that because that's quite a bit more frightening to me. <laughs> in a certain way, like if it's if it's literal aliens, then you have no idea if they're violent or gonna, you know, they're just some other meat bags in a fancy car. 
yeah. showing up yeah. to you know have an altercation with you potentially. But that's that's fine, I guess, because we imagine that we can defeat them with our missiles. Uh, <laughs> the other thing, you just have no like, uh oh, it's in your head in a way that's inextricable. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. missile at your own brain, you know. And it, it's funny because, like you say, it it weirdly gives a certain. You're right; it's slightly less frightening. It even gives a slightly some peace to imagine that you are psychologically connected to it. Yeah. Because even though, like, even when very real things are happening, physical effects are being had, if you are connected to it in some way, there is nothing you can do to escape. <laughs> no, wait, <laughs> yeah. There is, like, yeah, there is yeah. a certain kind of surrender to the experience uh, sometimes, I think, yeah, that, yeah. that w when you completely externalize them, exactly you have to you have to figure out whether they're good or bad but if they're inside you then if they're bad there's something about you that's bad if they're good there's something about you like there's a sort of right right yeah yeah the weird kind of um and I, I i love the thing about physical effects exactly i mean i remember there's that robert anton wilson thing in cosmic trigger about a ufo that lands and an alien comes out and hands this guy some pancakes or something <laughs> yeah and, and then like the, the actual sort of like like that or, or sort of yeah people sort of being teleported well, actually, speaking to different of which, places that's very funny you mentioned pancakes because i'm making pancakes with my dad in like 10 minutes so <laughs> i have to wrap this up <laughs> oh good point yeah actually I, I i should wrap it up as well yeah um how long have I, we been how long are these podcast episodes going to be <laughs> yeah good point i mean this one is two hours and 15 minutes <laughs> all right long form i think that that's good there's this yeah yeah Doug yeah, is holding down 42 minutes, like, fantastic. So, <laughs> Yes, exactly. We, 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 we can pick up the super long format ramble. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, I love it. Like you say, culture seems to be afraid of that because, and what you were saying, it, sync brings it back to the personal in some way as well. There, And that's right, what I like yeah, about yeah. The alchemy and the alchemical perspective that there is something about like Terence McGann says reclaiming your personal experience that if you see a shadow on the wall and it makes a shape which is synchronized with something that the TV is saying or something like the shape of a cat appears on the wall and it's a shadow and only you can see it from a specific angle yeah yeah and whatever those kind of like personal things like that um, there is something that on, simultaneously it reclaims your subjectivity and, like you say, it explores things that are extremely physically real. I love how those two things interact. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, we love yeah. it. It scares most people. <laughs> oh, no, totally. <laughs> They're just totally. freaked, yeah, freaked yeah. out, yeah. Oh, and, and I mean, and uh, of course, I mean, we, we, we've spoken about this, but, but, and it, obviously yeah, it, it scares is, me it, too. That's the thing. It, it, I, just, it, I just like it. It freaks us <laughs> out. I mean, yeah. there have been times when, yeah, it's been sort of like terrifying. <laughs> totally. Yeah. 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 Um, exactly. And so anyway, yeah. So UFOs are an interesting case of this sort of like weird mix between like, a, a sort of an animism, an idealism that becomes physically solid 
and a materialism that dissolves into the dream world. Like yeah, this is exactly. This exactly. Kind of thing. It's weird. Have you read Jung's uh, UFO book? I, I did. I, I I read it years ago. It was one of the first things I read about Jung. Oh, interesting. So cool. I, I don't think I, 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 I read it without sort of knowing anything about Jung, so I would love to read it again, actually. Um, yeah. It's one that I've I've started a number of times, but just kept getting distracted by other things with for some reason. Mm-hmm. But I love the bits I've read. Like it, it seems like I, you know. <laughs> I'm sure he does a good job with the with the material. It should be an interesting read. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, talking about like mandalic circular UFO shapes, um, pancakes are a good kind of. <laughs> <laughs> True. Well, they're also arranged in stacks typically. Which, for people listening that don't know anything about me, that's a term I'm obsessed with in my sync analysis project. By stack, I, I usually just mean a uh, a coincidence that exists in some kind of a set of coincidences all happening more or less at the same time, that kind of thing. It's just a way of grading, like, sync weight, essentially. Yeah, no, I, I love... I mean, there's so much... That's the thing that... On the one hand, there is the, like you were saying, there's the whole sort of Heideggerian thing of developing too many terms. But yeah, on the I, other hand, I think there is a need there to is. explore new terminology. Yeah, We need a few new terms. And also, Jung's, some of Jung's terms are awful. What was it we were saying? <laughs> in Antiotrotromia oh, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> some of his words are, are atrocious. Yeah, no, I'm not even going to try. to be try replaced it. as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, well, this was really... I think awesome. I really enjoyed this. I hope that this, this, uh, other humans will in, enjoy uh, voyeuristically listening to it. Uh, yeah. that, that's, a, they, that, that's antagonistic to the audience, right? <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say things like that. Uh, but we're in a Hellraiser mood at the moment. So yeah, we are. See, I quite <laughs> celebrate voyeurism, really. So it's all good in my <laughs> Anyway, no, wow. Yeah, I'm really happy with... with how this went i'm i i i had a yeah amazing time <laughs> yeah so. yeah me too great well um hopefully it all recorded <laughs> <laughs> the real bomb was lose it i think we covered a lot of ground <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome well um okay yes. i guess we're i guess we're a